Chapter Seventeen of Arizona Nights by Stephen Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Cattle Wrestlers. Buck Johnson was American-born, but with a black beard and a dignity of manner that had earned him the title of Senor. He had drifted into southeastern Arizona in the days of Cochise and Victorio and Geronimo. He had persisted, and so in time had come to control the water, and hence the grazing of nearly all the Soda Springs Valley. His troubles were many and his difficulties great. There were the ordinary problems of lean and dry years. There were also the extraordinary problems of devastating Apaches, rivals for early and ill-defined range rights, and cattle rustlers. Senor Buck Johnson was a man of capacity, courage, directness of method, and perseverance, especially the latter. Therefore he had survived to see the Apache subdued, the range rights adjusted, his cattle increased to thousands, grazing the area of a principality. Now all the energy and fire of his frontiersman's nature he had turned to wiping out the third uncertainty of an uncertain business. He found it a task of some magnitude. For Senor Buck Johnson lived just north of that terra incognita filled with the mystery of a double chance of death from man or the flaming desert known as the Mexican border. There by natural gravitation gathered all the desperate characters of three states and two republics. He who rode into it took good care that no one should ride behind him lived warily, slept light, and breathed deep when once he had again sighted the familiar peaks of Cochise's stronghold. No one professed knowledge of those who dwelt therein. They moved, mysterious as the desert illusions that compassed them about. As he rode, the ranges of mountains visibly changed form. The monstrous, snaky, sea-like growths of the cactus clutched at your stirrup. Mock Lake sparkled and dissolved in the middle distance. The sun beat hot and merciless. The powder-dry alkali beat hotly and mercilessly back and strange grim men, swarthy, bearded, heavily armed, with red-rimmed, unshifting eyes, rose silently out of the mist of illusion to look on you steadily, and then to ride silently back into the desert haze. They might be only the herders of the gaunt cattle, or again they might belong to the lost legion that peopled the country. All they could know was that of the men who entered in, but few returned. Directly north of this unknown land you encountered parallel fences running across the country. They enclosed nothing but offered a check to the cattle drifting toward the clutch of the renegades, and an obstacle to swift, dashing forays. Of cattle wrestling there are various forms. The boldest consists quite simply of running off a bunch of stock, hustling over the Mexican line, and there selling it to some of the big Sonora ranch owners. Generally this sort means war. Also are there subtler means, great in skill from the rebranding through a wet blanket, to the crafty refashioning of a brand to the various methods of separating the cow from her unbranded calf. In the course of his task, Senor Bug Johnson would have to do with them all, but at present he existed in a state of warfare, fighting an enemy who stole as the Indians used to steal. Already he had fought two pitched battles and had won them both. His cattle increased, and he became rich. Nevertheless, he knew that constantly his resources were being drained. Time and again, he and his new Texas foreman, Jed Parker, had followed the trail of a stampeded bunch of twenty or thirty, followed them on down through the Soda Springs Valley to the cut drift fences there to abandon them. For as yet, an armed force would be needed to penetrate the borderland. Once he and his men had experienced the glory of a night pursuit. Then at the drift fences he had fought one of his battles, but it was impossible adequately to patrol all parts of a range bigger than some eastern states. Buck Johnson did his best, but it was like stopping with sand the innumerable little leaks of a dam. Did his riders watch toward the Chiricahuas, then a score of beef steers disappeared from Grant's Pass, forty miles away. Pursuit here been leaving cattle unguarded there. It was useless, and the senor soon perceived that sooner or later he must strike an offense. 
For this purpose, he began slowly to strengthen the forces of his riders. Men were coming in from Texas. They were good men, addicted to the grass rope, the double cinch, and the oxbow stirrup. Senior Johnson wanted men who could shoot, and he got them. Jed, said Senior Johnson to his foreman, the next son of a gun that wrestles any of our cows is sure loading himself full of trouble. We'll hit his trail and we'll stay with it, and we'll reach his cattle rustling conscious with a rope. So it came about that a little army crossed the drift fences and entered the border country. Two days later it came out, and mighty pleased to be able to do so. The rope had not been used. The reason for the defeat was quite simple. The thief had run his cattle through the lava beds where the trail at once became difficult to follow. This delayed the pursuing party. They ran out of water, and, as there was among them not one man well enough acquainted with the country to know where to find more, they had to return. "'No use, Buck,' said Jed. "'We'd any of us come in on a gun play, but we can't buck the desert. We'll have to get someone who knows the country.' "'That's all right. But where?' queried Johnson. "'There's Pereza,' suggested Parker. "'It's the only town down near that country.' "'Might get someone there,' agreed the senor. Next day he rode away in search of a guide. The third evening he was back again, much discouraged. "'The country's no good,' he explained. "'The regular inhabitants are a set of Mexican bums and old soaks. The cowmen's all from north and don't know nothing more than we do. I found lots who claimed to know that country, but when I told them what I wanted they shot like a colt. I couldn't hire em for no money to go down in that country. They ain't got the nerve. I took two days to her, too and rode out to a ranch where they said a man lived who knew all about it down there. Nary rifle. Man looked all right, but his tail went down like the rest when I told him what we wanted. Seemed plumb scared to death. Says he lives too close to the gang. Says they'd wipe him out sure if he done it. Seemed plumb scared. Buck Johnson grinned. I told him so, and he got hostile right off. Didn't seem no way scared of me. I don't know what's the matter with that outfit down there. They're plumb terrorized. That night a bunch of steers was stolen from the very corrals of the home ranch. The home ranch was far north, near Fort Sherman itself, and so had always been considered immune from attack. Consequently, these steers are very fine ones. For the first time, Buck Johnson lost his head and his dignity. He ordered the horses. I'm going to follow that. Into Sonora, he shouted to Jed Parker. This thing's got to stop. You can't make her, Buck, objected the foreman. You'll get held up by the desert. And, if that don't finish you, they'll tangle you up in all those little mountains down there, and ambush you, and massacre you. You know it damn well. I don't give a, exploded Senor Johnson. If they do, no man could slap my face and not get a run for it. Jed Parker communed with himself. Senor, said he, at last, it's no good. You can't do it. You got to have a guide. You wait three days and I'll get you one. You can't do it, insisted the Senor. I tried every man in the district. "'Will you wait three days?' repeated the foreman. Johnson pulled loose his latigo. His first anger had cooled. "'All right,' he agreed. "'And you can say from me that I'll pay five thousand dollars in gold "'and give all the men and horses he needs "'to the man who has the nerve to get back that bunch of cattle "'and bring in the man who rustled them. "'I'll sure make this a test case.' So Jed Parker set out to discover his man with nerve. This is the end of Chapter 17.